we're starting a brand new series. We've titled it, Again. Have you ever needed an again, a do-over, a start-over, something brand new? I know many of us, we wish that there was a reset button for 2020. We keep pushing the button and it doesn't reset. Well, if you're at a point in life right now where you've lost a little bit of hope, I want you to know that God has an again for you. I'm going to say it again. God has an again for you. If you're stuck, if you've stopped moving, God is saying, start again. In 1963, there was a 17-year-old boy who had an existential crisis. His parents were believers, but he was a skeptic. He had a hard time believing that Jesus was real. And so he began to have doubts and despair about his purpose and what's the meaning of life. And in a very critical moment, he decided life is not worth living. I'm going to take a bunch of pills and I'm going to kill myself. And that's exactly what he did. He took a bunch of pills, dozens and dozens of pills. He laid down and he hoped that he would die. Well, just a couple days later, he wakes up in the hospital, and when he looks to the side, he sees his mother sitting there with tears in her eyes and crying. And she says, I'm so glad that you're alive. But even in that that moment, he still had no hope. He still had despair. He felt like his life was over. It just so happened that a Christian worker that was working in that facility heard about this young man's story and gave his mom a Bible. Now, she had a Bible, but he gave her a Bible for him. And he said, ma'am, you need to read John chapter 14 to your son. And so as the young man was staring out the window into the, into the space, into the space of, of the highway that was right near him, these are the words he, he heard in John chapter 14, verse 19. And when these verses were read to him, something in his heart jumped. These are the words of Jesus. Verse 19. Because I live, you also will live. I want to pause here and say, there's some of you who may be on the brink of something. Because Jesus lived, you, you also can live. You also can have hope and a future. And so in that moment, even in the midst of his doubt and despair, he still allowed his heart to believe for just a moment. And he said a prayer that went something like this. Jesus, I'm not sure if you're real, but if you are and you can give me life, then I want it. Now, I'm not sure if you're real, but if you are, I'll spend my life pursuing this truth. This young man was a man by the name of Ravi Zacharias. And as some of you may know, he has been the greatest apologist of our time. In fact, he just passed away this past May. But he spent 57 years of his life seeking God and giving a reasoned response for who Jesus was and who he is and who he is to come. But he also had a story of how God rescued him from death, hell, and the grave, and he found a way to believe again. God has an again for you. He wants you to advance in your life. In fact, I've titled my message today, Believe Again. 
believe again. Because Jesus rose again, we can believe again. You may have doubt, you may have despair, you may have difficulties in your life, but God, he wants to give you an again in this moment. I also want to make mention of a passage of scripture that was in my heart this week as I was preparing. Now, I don't know who it's for, but I'm going to share it because this was what was on my heart. It's Psalm 43, verse 5. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. I love what the psalmist does here. He talks to his downtrodden, downcast soul. He says, why are you in this place? And then he begins to tell himself, put your hope in Jesus. Put your hope in Jesus. He is the Savior. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. He's going to get you through this moment. So I don't know who I'm talking to, but some of you are believing you're not going to make it. I'm here to tell you that because he lives, you can live too. He conquered everything so that you could believe again. You and I, we can believe again. Now today we're going to look at the story of a man who has gotten a lot of criticism. He's gotten a lot of shade over the last 2,000 years. It's the Apostle Thomas. We affectionately call him Doubting Thomas. Now I find For us as believers, it's often very easy to criticize someone who has doubt when everything is going great. But I have to be honest, I have to be honest, I'm so grateful for the story of Thomas because there's moments in my life when I doubt. Now, I still believe in Jesus, but there's moments when I'm saying, God, what is happening here? I don't understand. You're going to have to walk me through this. I'm going to have to walk by faith and not by sight. Well, I don't know how that works. And there's moments when I'm grateful for the story of Thomas and his doubt. Because in that story, we learn how we can believe again. You can be born again, but God wants us to believe again. So I invite you to join me in John chapter 20, verse 24 through 29. Open up your Bible, your Bible app, your Westover app. Let's look at the word of the Lord together. Verse 24. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus... Now, that may sound like a strange name, but actually that name means twin. He was a twin. One of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Now, that strikes me. One disciple who was a twin was with Jesus when Jesus arrived, but Thomas wasn't there. Verse 25, so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Some of us are saying that right now. We need to see something happen in order for us to believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. I just want to pause here and say, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not depression, not you being locked in your house, not anxiety, not, not the criticism of someone else, not your past trauma, not the things that people are saying about you right now on social media. It doesn't matter. God can walk through a locked door to get to you. And if he did it for the disciples, he can definitely do it for you. He can make that happen. He says, peace be with you. Then he turned and he looked at Thomas. Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. 
Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Something happens in between those two verses where Thomas, he reengages his faith. He believes again. Then Jesus told them, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I want to pray. Father, we come to you in this moment. There are people who are watching, people who are in this moment right now, and they have lost hope. They are in despair. They have doubt. Some may be even right. They sense like they're at death's door, and you're saying, start again. Believe again. I pray, Lord, through your Holy Spirit that you would whisper life and hope and a future into their spirit right now in the name of Jesus and all of God's people said, amen. Thomas had doubt, but there are some things that he did in order to not doubt anymore. And I want to share with you three steps to take to believe again. Number one, don't count yourself out. Don't count yourself out. Verse 24 says this, now Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Now, as I was preparing this, I began to ask myself the question, why was it that Thomas wasn't there? What happened? He was one of the disciples. Now, at this point, there was only 11 disciples, but there was only 10 in the room, and he wasn't there. Why was it? I think it's because he doubted. He counted himself out because he doubted. Sometimes when we feel like we foul out in our faith, we count ourselves out. We allow doubt to creep into our life and we believe, what's the point? I don't count anymore. Don't count me in anymore. But what I love about verse 24 is that somehow the Holy Spirit speaks to the heart of John, the one who wrote this, and reminded him that even in that moment of doubt, that Thomas was still one of the 12. Even though he counted himself out, Jesus still counted him in. You may count yourself out, but Jesus can still count you in. You may count yourself out because of doubt, but you know what? You still believe in Jesus. God still counts you in. You may feel like you haven't been to church in a while, but guess what? You're still a church member. God is counting you in in this moment. Don't count yourself out. Don't let doubt count you out. Because even when doubt counts you out, God continues to count you in. Number two, to believe again is to reach out. Reach out. Verse 24 and following says this. Now Thomas was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Have you ever missed something really big? Maybe you missed a text message or you forgot to put something on the calendar or somebody sent you a message that you forgot about and you forgot something really big, something important, maybe a fun event, maybe something that somebody invited to you, you to. Have you ever been in that place? This is what happens here. The most significant moment in Thomas's life and he's not there to see it. He's not there to witness it. And so he hears his friend say, hey, by the way, Jesus walked through a door and he declared peace to us. And Thomas says, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still having a hard time believing that. But what I love is that even, even because of that, his friends still stepped in and said, hey, 
I need you to come back. Sometimes in life, we need people to have faith for us. Some of you may be in a difficult moment and you're isolated and you're disconnected. I want to encourage you to reach out, connect to somebody, connect to a fellow believer. Don't stay disconnected because whenever you stay disconnected, doubt continues to stir in your heart and you begin to despair. Be willing to reach out. What I love about this is that the 10 disciples say, hey, I know you don't believe, but come with me. We're still going to have you come over, and we're hoping and praying that Jesus will show up again. They ignored his excuses. In fact, what they were saying is, we want you to still belong, even though right now you don't believe. In fact, that's kind of one of the things that we really believe here at Westover is that Yes, we want you to believe in Jesus, but we want you to belong even before you believe. We want you to be connected to other believers who can encourage you, who can motivate you in your faith, who can help you discover who God is in a meaningful way. Now, I just don't say this as a pastor. I say this from personal experience. In 2004, when I moved here, I only had one friend, and he said, hey, I'm going to this really great church. I think you need to come. I said, no, you know, I'm not really sure I want to go. He said, you need to come. I want you to meet some of my friends. So I came to Westover. I was afraid. I was scared. I was worried. I was a little apprehensive. But when I got here, people welcomed me. They made me feel at home. What my friend didn't know at the time was that I had been wrestling with my faith all through college. I believed in Jesus, but I had some doubts about faith community. And in that process of belonging, God began to awaken some things in my heart. Now, I don't wish that circumstance on anybody, but I'm grateful for the way God walked me out of that doubt and into believing in God and in community again. And he wants to do the same for you. We want to encourage you to connect to community. We want you to be connected. We want you to belong even though you may not believe yet. If you do believe, then great, but we want you to be connected. In fact, I know as I'm speaking, some of you are feeling a tug in your heart, and you're saying, I don't know what that is. That's the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart, inviting you to connect. Don't stay disconnected. In fact, the way that we connect here at Westover is through something called life groups. Life groups is how we connect, and it's simply this. It's a group of people who connect regularly, who want to be in community, and they want to grow together as they learn about God. That's what life groups is simply about. And what we've been doing in this season is helping people connect digitally. We have groups that are meeting digitally and online via Zoom, and we're launching brand new groups. And so if you want to get connected, we want to invite you to learn more about life groups at the end of this service you can do it on our online meet and greet right after service. There's going to be a link in the chat. Or you can meet us in room 100. We want to talk to you about how you can get connected, how you can belong, even though you may not believe yet. But for some of you, God is inviting you to be like the other 10 who are reaching out to other people who are disconnected from God. Some of you, God has been tugging on your heart. You've been sensing a stirring over the past couple of months, and you don't know what that is, but right now God's identifying it and saying, this is what you've been feeling. Some of you, you need to step in and to step up and become a life group host. A life group host is simply this, someone who gathers people together and guides them in a conversation. In fact, we have notes on the Westover app that our life groups follow that walk you through the entire process of 
leading a, a life group. And so if you want to learn more about how to lead a life group, text HOST to the number on the screen, or you can just join us in room 100 if you're on site and get more information. We'd love for you to become a host and help guide people. You can gather two or three of your friends and do life together. Life is truly better together, and we want you to be connected in this season. Number three, the third step to take to believe again is to get close to Jesus. Get close to Jesus. Verse 27 and 28 says this, But he, Thomas, said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, Jesus said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. What I love about this is that Thomas spoke these concerns and these doubts to the other disciples. But what I love about it is that even though Jesus wasn't there, the Holy Spirit was there. And when Jesus returned a week later, what did Jesus do? He answered the doubts that Thomas had. He said, you asked to see the wounds in my hands and the wound in my side. But what I've been wondering this past week is why out of all of those wounds, why did he select those two? Why was it that he selected the wounds in his hands? Why was it that he selected the wound in Jesus' side? Why wasn't it the wound from the crown of thorns? Why wasn't it the stripes on his back? Why wasn't it the wounds in his feet? Well, here's what you need to understand about Jewish culture. Is that the hand of God always represented the working of God. In fact, when we look at it in Ephesians chapter 2, it talks about we are the handiwork of God. 1 Peter 5 talks about how God has a mighty hand. Isaiah 41 talks about how he will uphold us with his mighty right hand. The Holy Spirit spoke to him, spoke to Jesus and said this is what he needs. You know, we're in a time where we can't shake hands anymore, but that's how we used to greet. If you notice, we still do it. We give an elbow. Why? Because it represents connection. What Thomas was saying is, God, I need to see you work again in my life. But I love what Jesus does. He says, put your hands right here in my wounds. And then he says, Thomas, come a little closer. Put your hand in my side. Why is that? Why did he ask to see the wound in Jesus' side? Because the wound was right next to Jesus' heart. Thomas needed to feel the love of God again. He needed to know that Jesus loved him. In fact, Psalm 91 talks about how God is like a bird that gathers their chicks under the wings. And that's what he did. He said, Thomas, come close. Come close. Experience me in a powerful way. I just believe God wants to work. In fact, I'm reminded by a passage in Isaiah 49, verse 16. It says this, Behold, I've engraved you in the palms of my hands. Do you know, church, that God has tattooed 
you on his hands. When he extended his hands, he was thinking about you. He loves you. He wants you to know him. He wants you to experience him again. Now, I know some of you, you need to experience Jesus in a powerful way. You're wondering, God, where are you? You're wondering, God, when are you going to break through in my life? Well, today, this may be your moment. And so right now, I invite you to stand. I invite you to stand with me. You know, in life, when life stops, we can start again. We can believe again. We can get started again. Because Jesus died, we can believe again. Because he rose again, we can believe again. I love what this verse says in verse 29 of John chapter 20. It says this, Then Jesus told him, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. What Jesus was telling Thomas is, there's going to be people coming after you, Thomas, who are just like you, who are experiencing doubt, who are experiencing concern, and they don't know how to make a difference. They're at the same place you're at, Thomas, and they're going to believe. And I want to say this to you, church. Jesus knew that this season was going to be hard, and he allowed Thomas to go through that difficult season so that he could breathe hope And he could help you believe again. And so if you're here and you don't know Jesus, or maybe you've gotten distant from him and you need to believe again, this is your moment. So I want to give you a private moment with God. I want to invite everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what difficulty you're experiencing. I don't know the doubt that you may have in your heart. But Jesus knows. You may have stopped. You may be stuck, but Jesus is saying, believe again, breathe again, live again. The way we can experience him is by drawing close to him. And so I want to lead you in a prayer. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I need you. I have doubts. But because you live I want to live. I want to believe again. Forgive my sins. Come into my life. Give me a hope and a future. Help me start again. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said this prayer, I want to welcome you to the family of God. Congratulations. You've taken the most important step of your life. I want to invite you. If you've just made a decision to follow Jesus, just text New Life to the number on the screen. We want to encourage you. In fact, if you decided here in the room, just meet us in room 100. I'd love to encourage you and this season as well. But I also know some of you, you are already believers. But you need to believe again. If you're a believer and you need to believe again, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take communion together. And if you're here and you need to believe again, maybe you've got doubts. Jesus doesn't judge you if you've got doubts. He just says, come close. So here's what's going to happen. In just a moment, the worship team's going to come up. They're going to lead us in a short chorus. If you need to believe again, I want you to come up to the altar Stand on one of these spots. 
and we're gonna take communion together. And then we're gonna worship the Lord together. I want you to come. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me Sing it again, sing it again, say. your communion elements I want you to open up to the bread the Bible tells us that on the night that Jesus was betrayed he had a meal with his friends he took the bread he broke it he said this is my body that's broken for you Jesus let his body be broken for you so you didn't have to have a broken life Let's take this together. Father, as your people partake of the bread, may they realize that you came to this world to bring them back together again so that they didn't have a broken life. You were broken on a cross so that we could have a life that's whole. Bless your people in Jesus' name. On that same night, he took a cup with fruit of the vine. He said, this cup represents my blood. I shed it for you, for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus gave his blood. He poured it out for you so that you could have a life where you could stand before Jesus. He redeemed you with his blood. Let's take it together in remembrance of him. Oh, Father, we're so grateful. We're so grateful for your son, Jesus, and for the sacrifice he did on the cross to save us. And because he died and rose again, we can believe again in you. I know that there are people who are experiencing doubt in their heart. God, I pray right now through your Holy Spirit that you would breathe life in them again. Because you live, they can live 
again. They can have a hope and a future. They can start. They can move. They can advance God. I just pray, Holy Spirit, right now that you would descend in every heart, in every life, in every family, in every marriage, in every household that is watching this right now, God, that your presence would descend and that you would show to them that you truly are our living hope, that because you died and rose again, we can trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, let's worship the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings together, the one who died and rose again so that we could believe. How great the chasm that lay between us, how high the mountain I could not desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written, Jesus Christ, my living Lord. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of
rose again to save us and to set us free, but to help us believe again. God, we come to you. We ask you right now that you would just continue to work in the hearts and lives of your people. Help them believe again. Help them believe so that they can start again, so that they can move again, so they can step into their purpose again. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you just work in their life, not only right now, but throughout the rest of the week. In the mighty name of Jesus and all of God's people said, amen, amen. Let's give him one more praise. Yes, he's so good.